Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Our food wisdom comes from Mark Twain, who said part of the secret of success in life is to eat what you like and let the food fight it out inside. Faith here. Glad you're joining the party on this podcast edition of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. You can consume this podcast in one, two or three bites or for as long as you've got, then come back for more. It's a party. So join us for a good time just ahead and at our brand new online site. We've curated crazy good recipes, value wines, easy cocktails, hot topics, and great tips, products, and restaurants we think you should know about. Free delivery. You won't miss a drop of pleasure if you sign up for our podcast, foodschmooze at wnpr.org. Special thanks to Chef's Equipment, Asana Plastic Surgery Center, Med Spa, and Goodwill for supporting our show. And here it is. I'm Faith Middleton. It's great to have you joining the party on the Food Schmooze here on WNPR in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including the east end of Long Island. Of course, you can listen to the podcast. My food buddies are here. We're going to go just around the room. We have senior contributors Alex Province, Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. <laughs> we have our chief cocktail contributor, Anthony Desario, and you can tell your friends no matter where they live, they can listen to the Food Schmooze from anywhere in the world, as many people do, at WNPR.org. Hey, everybody. Hey, how are we doing? All right. It is our Thanksgiving special. Yes, we are starting it now (laughs) because we believe that, uh, you know, it's fun to fantasize about what you're going to do. It is never too early. Giving the turkeys a head start. This is what happens when, this is how you get rid of stress, where you kind of plan it out. You think about what you want to do. Maybe you test some things. Maybe you don't. But we are so excited about this. But let's face it. It's the food holiday of the year. Uh, So we are, not that we don't have other great meals on other holidays, but we're always excited about this. And I find that the sides are as interesting to me. I like the sides more. Except that I have an extra crispy skin turkey thing that you are going to be so excited about. So we're going to get to Jacques Pepin's Mm. Apple Galette using that store-bought pizza dough. We're going to get to Anthony. Cinnamon Toast Cocktail. He's prepping it right now. We have Ina Garten's Parsnip and Pear Gratin. We have Barbara Kafka. What a legend in the food world. Her incredible melting potatoes, the best potatoes I have ever had. The easy dry brine turkey with extra crispy skin I mentioned. And don't throw away that turkey carcass, thanks to Alex Province, because it is really tasty. Alex and Chris are going to tell us how to do a quick stock with that turkey carcass where you can make all kinds of things. So all of that. Let's start, Chris, with Barbara Kafka's Melting Potatoes. This is can be found in her book, Vegetable Love, which is vegetable-centric. She started eating a, a primarily vegetable diet. It's a fantastic, thick book, and I... That is where I found this recipe and cooked and cooked and cooked this. These are the best potatoes I think I have ever had. So, yeah. And I've adopted my actually regular roasted potatoes to this method now because it's such a great method. At the restaurant? Yeah, mean? at the restaurant. Whenever so, I roast potatoes, I roast them in this if method. If you think of potatoes, you know how when you do risotto, mm. your rice is yeah. absorbing chicken stock yum, and butter and or olive oil and all that. Yum, yum. This is where the potatoes are doing the same yeah. thing. This is a genius idea from yeah. her. Chris, right, let's ready? talk. Real quick. By the way. Everything we're talking about is in our new 2015 <laughs> Thanksgiving <laughs> recipe kit, which is yeah. online right now at foodschmooze.org. Go ahead, Chris. All right, so butter, olive oil, 
about six potatoes and two cups of chicken stock. Unless you have a big crowd. Go ahead. Unless you have a big crowd. Because that makes honestly, a decent amount. as she says, double yeah. the recipe, oh, yeah, these disappear. And I thought, yeah. oh, she's just being nah. so clever. No, no, honestly, no. Uh, it's a wonder that a cupful got to the table because we were scarfing <laughs> yeah. these down. Go ahead. It's so good. All right. So you take a, a roasting pan, large enough to put the potatoes in a single layer. The potatoes are peeled and cut into chunks. It really doesn't matter. What kind of potatoes? Um, I like Idaho rusted, but I make this with fingerlings too. And or I do it with yukons. Yeah. 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 So Whatever. Really, it doesn't Whatever. matter. Whatever your favorite roasting potato is. Because any so, potato will absorb. Yes. And what you want to do is make sure your pieces are cut pretty evenly. Don't have to be too crazy about it, but all about the same size. Right? And yeah. you want a roasting pan large enough to fit them all in a single layer. So you start off with putting your roasting pan You on. can do two roasting pans. Yeah, or three. That's what you <laughs> do. I need another oven. All right. So you take your roasting pan, so put it I. on top of the stove, melt your butter, right? Yep. And then you take your potatoes and put them in a nice layer on the bottom. You pour in your olive oil over the top with a little bit of salt and pepper mm-hmm. and it goes in a preheated 500 degree oven yep all right so then Very fi- hot. five minutes in there you bring it out and you just sort of flip the potatoes real quick so just sort of moving them around i shake them but you can if you're really flip you know them, t- yeah. yeah take a pair of tongs and flip them back in the oven about 15 minutes this time then you pull it out and you can flip them again and then goes in your chicken stock Right, and then back in the oven another in, time. In goes the chicken. In, the, stock in goes the chicken stock, and then back. And you in don't the have oven. to have homemade chicken stock. No, you I, can use the. And I just, just use the box. Yeah, and just cut down your salt. Right when you put that first edition of salt, uh, usually when I use box chicken chicken stock, I'll add the salt at the end. But right? you, the most stock. incredible would yeah. be you oh, use yeah. your yeah, own yeah, yeah. chicken or, or short turkey stock, and then it goes back in the oven for fifteen more minutes. That's it. And you'll see that the chicken stock just disappears, but it doesn't. It actually gets absorbed into the potatoes with the olive oil and the butter. These are called melting potatoes because they drink in these these things that we have talked about. And so they you buy you put a platter of these out on the table and people go crazy. I'm telling you, they will ignore the stuffing. They will ignore the turkey. There's not a thing at my table that people really they're just crazy. Like, okay. it's crack. So we do these with fingerling <laughs> potatoes sometimes. We just cut them in half and do it in that same method. And then my chef will mix in rosemary or sage. Oh, yeah. When oh, these come sage. out of the oven, he has to, and I'm not kidding you, when these Run. come out of the oven, he has to put these, like, away. <laughs> like, hide them somewhere. He takes another sheet pan and puts them on top so they're covered and out of the way <laughs> because just walking by them, you just look at them and you're like – Grab one, uh, grab, and even when they're cool, give me like the tray. To when they're room temperature, you can still eat <laughs> hey, them like that. That's the thing. I was going to ask you: Is there a way? Because Whoa. several things we have on here, thanks to Ina Garten, have to do with do ahead, make yeah. ahead. Chris, is there a way to make these ahead? Because we do. I've never done that. Yeah, we totally. Or, how make do them you ahead. do that? We make them ahead, and we don't. And uh, you just we, make them we like exper- we just said. Yeah, and we experimented with like not cooking them all the way, but it doesn't even matter. You make them full on. You cool them. You refrigerate them, and then the next day or two days later, whatever you want, you take them back out, put them in a roasting pan or a little cookie sheet because you don't need that much. You don't have to worry about adding anything, and you just throw them back in the oven and reheat them. Oh. They reheat so they reheat better than still any roasted juicy potato. Juicy yeah, the way. They Soaked up a chicken And they're holding it while they're in the refrigerator. And then they... And they don't release all that into the pan. No, they crisp right back up like the day they came out of the oven. That's why we use use this method. This is Barbara Kafka's melting potatoes. There is just, is my opinion, there just is no better. And that book is, sounds like there'll be no leftovers whatsoever. Could you add bacon somehow to that? No, but we made No, no, no. We made it once with bacon fat, and they were just evil. The problem with that is you have to make sure everyone at your table eats bacon, and that's why we don't right. do it that or often. Or better yet, yeah. yeah. not don't every... eat them. Yeah. All right, we've got to go. Bacon, we All right, moving on. Here's the thing. This is our 2015, <laughs> the start of our Thanksgiving coverage. All of this online at foodschmooze.org. We're going to get to cocktails, our best champagne. I know I put this on Facebook, so uh, a lot of you know already. And um, I want to say that tens of thousands of people last Thanksgiving came 
to our website, and we think that's going to be exceeded this year. So we have gone to a lot of trouble to get these things up there. This turkey idea, Chris, I was talking to you about extra crispy skin. Yeah, that's my favorite part. This oh, is yeah. from Rob Foreman Dew. Rob Foreman Dew is a novelist who happens to be a phenomenal Southern cook. She is amazing. I adore her because she did a novel with the nervy title, Being Polite to Hitler. Okay, so (laughs) she, I mean, you know, very tongue-in-cheek. So the way she does her, her turkey, Southern style, is just genius, I think. And so the idea is this is how you, I know we love to bring the whole turkey to the table, that it's very pretty, but then you sweep it back into the kitchen and start carving like mad. You carve it to smithereens. And so this, her idea is, you know, it's called, technically it's called a spatchcocked turkey. All it is is when you order your turkey at the, at the market to the butcher, you say, would you please remove the backbone? And then it flattens right out. And so it, it's not and, – and what happens is that you, um, you rinse it and dry it. You put it in the pan, the roasting pan, skin side down, and you salt the underside. And then you turn the bird over and you tuck the wings a little bit. You salt it again. And the salt, you want it in the crevices and on the drumsticks. And then here's dry brining. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to put in peppercorns and all this stuff, liquid and all that. No, you just take that turkey I just described and you put it in the in the refrigerator for one day, as little as one day, but the best is three days. Do not cover it. You want the air, the to salt, the to dry the skin, draw out the moisture. Mm-hmm. Then you take it out of the refrigerator an hour, hour and a half before you're roasting it. And it goes in at 4, 425. You don't have to baste it with a single thing. You check it after an hour. And you put in your thermometer, and you'll see in our recipe, if it reaches this temperature, it's time to take it out of the oven. You don't even cook a turkey, a spatchcock turkey, really, as as Rob says, for more than 90 minutes. But she has a convection oven, so that's a little bit faster. And save the backbone, um, too, for your stock. Yes. So you re- that's good, uh, that's Alex. So you remove the bird from the oven. You let it sit for 20, 30 minutes, uncovered. The skin is astonishingly crisp. The meat is evenly cooked throughout. The texture is superior. It is just Sounds absolutely great. terrific. And yeah. she tells you how to do it with the chicken, too. So wow. that is our recipe online from a Southern Thanksgiving by Rob Foreman Dew. This is a classic in, in Southern cooking. So how about that? Yeah, That's I'm a fan of the – I'm a fan of not – presenting the bird anymore just because it takes a lot of the pressure out of the carving and i the, said in my story yeah. online and, and when you take get some take the photographs yeah and a, show them give around yeah if that put it on a, the big screen but how do you have like the, <laughs> put a roasted turkey on the big screen in the living room and everyone can see it and there you go the griswold right? family christmas but you know what this is the thing about doing it ahead of time you yeah. can do it a little bit ahead of time you can let the bird come out of the oven an hour before Two hour hours before, hour right yeah. before you before you have to serve it, because I know going to people's houses for Thanksgiving, that's that stress point. When's the turkey coming out of the oven? That's yeah. when we're yeah. going to eat, Absolutely. and it causes so much stress. So, so obviously, this is a, a fresh yeah. turkey, not a frozen yeah. turkey. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I'd say three days, but you can do it for one day yeah. too, depending on. Mm-hmm. So this is from our colleagues at Fine Cooking Magazine. They did the editors and contributors did a book years ago, how to cook a turkey, and it is still so useful to us. So on the other side of this break, we're going to talk to you about not only our best champagne for Thanksgiving at $20 a bottle, pretty amazing, Ina Garten's parsnip thing, the cinnamon toast cocktail from Anthony DeSario, how to make a stock out of that turkey carcass, and so much more. The cranberry citrus compote is next. We're going to take a break now, and then we're going to give it all to you. And don't forget, this is online. Every single thing that we talk about, feel free to go there at any point. We're online 24-7, foodschmooze.org. We're going to take this short break, and we'll be right back with more of the Food Schmooze Party. Don't go away.
I'm Faith Middleton. That was your first bite of the food schmooze with another bite on the way. So we're going to make this fast. In case you're new, you can listen to this show on WNPR every Thursday afternoon at 3 and again Saturdays at noon. And on Saturdays, we've discovered people listen for our curated ideas and suggestions just before they go shopping or head out for adventure. Nothing makes me happier than sharing the names and locations of people turning out great stuff. We have daily radio 60-second food schmoozes. Party with us at our brand new website where you'll find some of my favorite easy and wildly delicious recipes, wine, cocktails, restaurants, plus our new two-minute videos. They are a riot to do. Great events. We have you covered. Check it out. Food schmooze at WNPR.org. Back to our show. Beans and cornbread Beans and cornbread Beans and cornbread Beans and cornbread had a fight Beans knocked cornbread out of sight Cornbread said, now that's all right Meet me on the corner tomorrow night I'll be ready Hey, kids in the car. We're glad you're listening. I'm Faith Middleton. The Food Schmooze Party here on WNPR is heard Wednesdays at 3 and 9 p.m., Saturdays at noon. Join us on Facebook. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Please support your local food growers and food makers, and also feed the hungry if you can. You can find everything online, as you know, at foodschmooze.org. And this is our 2015, the start of our Thanksgiving coverage. You can't believe the stuff that we have up there right now. I am with... Alex and Chris and Anthony and Jonathan McNichol. We're going to go straight to, this is weird. We're going to do a dessert thing because I can't resist. I'm so excited about this. Jacques Pepin has a new cookbook out called Heart and Soul in the Kitchen. And uh, photographs by Tom Hopkins, who's a Connecticut photographer. He's very, very good. And in here, I find something that we are going to make in my family this year because it is so easy and so much fun. It's called it's Jacques' Apple Galette. He loves apple tarts and apple galettes or apple pies in any form, and so do I. And he, he found this new way of making the crust for apple galette, and he uses pizza dough <laughs> that he buys at the supermarket. That's of course, awesome you can idea. go to your pizza place. You can go to your bakery and get this. Here's what it is. You sprinkle a couple tablespoons of sugar on the baking sheet. It's online right now. It's lined with some aluminum foil. You put the pizza dough on top, and you press it out with your hands as thin as possible. You let it rest for about 15, 20 minutes, and then the oven is on 400 degrees. You know, you push it out even further, so it's got about a 12-inch. It's be very elastic at this point because it's been sitting around. You peel, you core the apples, you've got wedges, and about a half inch in, just like you're doing pizza, you know, just like you're doing the sauce, you arrange the apple wedges in concentric circles on top, pushing them into the dough a little bit. You dot this with butter. You could do lots, or you could do a little. And then you sprinkle evenly with more sugar, and you bake this galette, it's called, for 45 minutes until it's nicely browned and crusty. And then you slide a spatula underneath while it's still hot. You don't want it to stick to the sheet. It won't, and then it just cools. And then you take a jarred apricot preserves and you spread it on the top and they kind of melt in Mm, to those hot Mm. apples. And then you cut that into wedges and you can serve this at room temperature. Is that the most fun? He really is getting, he gets better. How does he keep getting better and better? (laughs) Like that recipe is right out of my playbook. (laughs) Store-bought dough. That's a great point because, you know, Jacques is living proof. Julia Child was living proof. No matter how old you are, it is is a learning experience all your life. You never get to a point where you say, now I know everything. Why would you about any subject? And so you just learn and learn and learn. I feel that way. I still feel like a baby. And the second I stop feeling that way, I think something's wrong. So here we go. That is from his book, Jacques Pepin, Heart and Soul in the Kitchen, and it is a brand new book. 
Here we go. Let's do a cranberry comfo before we get to the champagne. This is from Fine Cooking's How to Cook a Turkey, a classic. Their cranberry citrus compote. Cranberries fresh, lemon zest, orange zest, shallots, lots of sugar, orange juice, and scallions. The thing about this is this is not on the stovetop. This goes into the oven. This roast, this is hands off. How about that? And you can do this ahead and then cover and refrigerate. And on the day of serving, you take it out of the refrigerator so that it's room temperature. You fold in the scallions at that point and scrape it into a serving bowl. And there you go. Michael Brisson is the original author of this. Thank you, our friends at Fine Cooking. That is a terrific thing. We have had that in our family. I think Lori Mack on the show does that. And it is terrific. Okay, we're going to go to sparkling wine, a champagne, and we're going to do Anthony's cocktail, which is called Cinnamon Toast. Is this perfect or not? (laughs) For breakfast? For breakfast. Well, it depends on you. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. (laughs) Let's get to the champagne. Alex Province introduced me to this champagne, and I am nuts about it. It is such a good price point. It is called Domaine Lorraine, and it is a traditional champagne method. So, Alex, tell me about this. It has a toasty quality to it. For $20 a bottle, I can't believe this. If you like yeasty, toasty, golden-colored champagne or sparkling wine, this is perfect. In the spring, Prosecco's great and Cava's great, but now that it's it's cooler out and it's you want to nestle in champagne or this happens to come from the south of France, but tastes, I promise you, as as good as any $50 champagne. So technically we don't get to call this champagne because it's not from the Champagne District, it's but we all though. know that it's champagne, <laughs> yes, sparkling wine, to be perfectly correct. Love, love, love the flavor of this. So online we tell you to say it's your wine store. If they don't have it, you want to call ahead and you want to be pouring something a little nice. You know, there, of course, there are 10, 12, $15 ones. But if, you know, it's Thanksgiving. If you want to bump to to $20 as we do at our house, if you've got a big party, you know, that's maybe not cost effective for you. But if you have something a little bit smaller, this is it. Domaine Lorraine, L-A-U-R-E-N-S. And it's on the website at the wine store. If you call ahead, you say Winebow is the distributor, and they will make sure it is there for you within 24 hours. And Wonderful. May, with and tur- it, I serve champagne throughout yeah. the meal. And it may seem expensive, <laughs> but if you compare this to French champagnes, it's a Right, it's a bargain. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right, oh I mean, compared to some of them at I, fifty, yeah. I would put this up there quality wise with the forty, fifty, and sixty dollar bottles. Oh, I, this in a heartbeat. this yeah. is yeah. the closest thing to Bollinger Special yeah. Coupe that I've ever yeah. had, yeah. and I'm paying sixty dollars. That's for what that. I'm saying, right? So, so this good, is really yeah, a bargain. Value. So this and is it's, my. It's now going to sell out. <laughs> go ahead. So this is my mood bath. As now. people come in, as I always say, I always have flute glasses, and I pour champagne, and people walk in, and they take a sip, and everyone's nicer. This is our number one. Sparkling wine for Thanksgiving or really any time. Domaine Loren, it's on the website foodschmooze.org. And now we go to our chief contributor on cocktails, Anthony DeSario, who lives in Brantford, Connecticut, yep. is a bartender. So, Anthony, tell me about this. This is called Cinnamon Toast. Cinnamon Toast. If this does not go viral on Facebook, I don't know what will. Well, I, I hope it does. I mean, because it's pretty universal. You can use any barrel-aged spirit that you like. So you have um, slightly pre-mixed because so we're running we got, out of Yeah, time. we have it slightly pre-made. Uh, basically, what we did is take all the flavors that you have out right now. You've got your apples. You've got your maple syrup. We have cinnamon. Uh, and then we're going to be using a barrel-aged tequila. Uh, you could also use bourbon. You could use rum with that as well to get those vanilla and toasty caramel yeah, notes is, and, that and you have out there. And then a splash of ginger beer. And we're going to finish is, this off mm. with some ginger beer to make a nice tall cocktail out of it. So, 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 so tequila or aged whiskey or rum, apple cider, lemon juice, a splash of ginger beer, uh, simple syrup with a touch of maple syrup in it. Yeah, actually, what it's I just did sugar was sugar and um, water. Yeah, it's sugar and water, but instead of sugar, we just used your household maple syrup instead and used a, a quarter, yeah. a quarter cup of that 
and then two and a half a cup of hot water. Here's why we call it cinnamon toast. You you mix up sugar and cinnamon the way you would for cinnamon toast, put it on a plate, <laughs> you wet the rim of the glass, you turn it upside down so the rim gets coated. Oh, and that's why this is a cinnamon toast. I Can you imagine part. coming yeah. in for Thanksgiving or a wonderful <laughs> weekend and sipping through cinnamon toast spices? Is love that it. great? And so Anthony's putting into his shaker. The recipe is online also. So yep. we did about a ounce and a half of the uh, aged tequila. You did aged tequila for this. I might do rum. I like a, the idea of rum. A yeah. little bit, an ounce of apple cider. Oh, I love that sound. Fresh lemon juice, the maple simple syrup with maple syrup and water, hot water. You just stir that up and you're done. And you've made your cinnamon sugar mixture. Just okay, and Combined it in the mixing glass. I added my ice, shake it, and we're just going to pour it out into the glass. You can and... do it in a jar with a lid. You sure. don't have to have a fancy okay. shaker. Yeah, you know, it's actually kind of cool to do it in a mason jar, too, as well. Uh, yeah, I, do, I think that, too. And so this is the idea with this is you want to shake it till it's too shake cold it's to hold. Shake it too cold to hold. Okay, <laughs> like pass that, that okay. over And I'm just going to top it off with a little ginger oh, beer yeah, for you. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So this, is, this, this cocktail is at foodschmooze.org. Um, for some... At Thanksgiving time, you might want the brown spirit, so you might want to go toward the rum or the aged whiskey. For others, you if you're a tequila fan, and we know that it is one of the highest-selling spirits, then it all works, believe it or not. Anthony yeah. is great with that. He tests it with everything. The only thing that won't work is gin. But right. you could use vodka, you could use an aged tequila or an aged whiskey. Thank you. And so I'm passing this around to everybody right now. All right, let's taste. Che- so cheers, Here, let's everybody. cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody. Thank you, Anthony. You're welcome. Mm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So whether you're using Refreshing. an aged... So you might think, oh, is this going to be too sweet? No. Uh, with tequila, it's actually quite refreshing. Absolutely mm-hmm. delicious. And there is acid in here from the lemon. So like with it. the cinnamon sugar combination, this is really terrific. This is great for, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can pre-batch this and enlarge it and make it for a punch for when everybody arrives to the to the big day. Or, you know, serve it with the apple pie and the pumpkin pie, too. It still has all those flavors to Love it. That. Thank you so much for this, Anthony. And we're putting this, this is right now on Facebook. Send it to everyone you know, <laughs> the Cinnamon Toast Cocktail from Anthony DeSario. And a real pleasure. This is your go-to thing. I love parsnips. I'm a new convert and because I used to ignore them. And um, so... I went to Ina Garten's book that we featured last year. I made my whole Thanksgiving with my sister from her book, Make It Ahead. And there is a recipe in here that is killer good for pear and parsnip gratin. This is on our website at foodschmooze.org right now or whenever you need it. Parsnips and bosque pears and butter, sour cream, eggs, orange zest, ground ginger, salt, and pepper. This goes into the oven. You spoon it out like a a soft southern spoon bread. Mm. Really, really fantastic. And healthy, too. For Thanksgiving. Big fan of the parsnip. Yeah. I am, too. There's a sweetness to them that is so... Beautiful. I always feel like a hobbit eating like root vegetables. Yeah, yeah. I think that's actually. Yeah. I know. Actually, my dog eats them like crazy. Parsnips. She loves At Thanksgiving. Wow, that's she loves wild. Like, like mashed parsnips. <laughs> They're healthy. She loves. I love them. that. What kind of dog? So a Jack Russell Terrier. No yeah. kidding. Pumpkin's that's fantastic. great for them too. Yeah. yeah, she gets ground beef and Do parsnips every day. Do you ever think about putting day. that into her dog food? That's what she oh, eats you- every day. You seriously, I, I love yep. that. Remember, yep. we did the book. I've made some of these recipes for my friends who have dogs because you make food for yourself and your dog can yep. eat it too, and it's all been vetted, so yeah, to that, speak. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Don't throw away that turkey no, carcass, says Alex Provence. Or give it to me. <laughs> give it, I'll give it all to Alex. Fine, pick it up. And now give it to me. <laughs> this is how to make stock seem so intimidating. It's not intimidating so at all, it turns out. So, Alex, at the end of the night on Thanksgiving, you throw the turkey carcass, which has mm. pretty much been cleaned of meat. Yep. Tell us what you do really so fast. So right into the stock pot. So while everyone's cleaning up dishes, take a huge, huge stock pot, throw your turkey carcass in. You've picked all the meat. Throw in like a quartered onion, maybe a clove of garlic, some carrots, some celery, some parsley. It doesn't even have to be like well chopped. 
fill it right up to the top with water, turn the heat on, garlic. and let it simmer. Yeah, garlic, clove, uh, you know, flat leaf parsley, a couple of bay leaves, some peppercorn, some salt, and basically you bring it to a gentle simmer. You 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 scoop off the foam as it as it uh, like forms, and basically in a couple hours you have this like gorgeous stock that you just filter, you know, through a str- you strain it into a container, freeze it, use it the next day, use it whenever, turn into. Turkey let's, soup. Let's talk about how you can use that. Of course, it can be the base of a turkey soup. You could make soupy noodles with this by by using some of this with some with some water to do noodles with the kids and throw in whatever you want. Yeah, uh, risotto. You could, you could cook any rice with this instead about? of yeah. water. You would use this and think how it would rich make the the rice really really rich. Use it for stuffing okay, over Christmas. We just about too. Yeah, yeah, Chris was. T- you know, we we love Chris and I are the absolute yeah. down in the mud fans of Barbara Kafka's melting yeah. potatoes on the website. You could use this instead of yeah. chicken stock. Yeah, you know, if you're gonna you're gonna make these melting potatoes all year long, or make the stock for me, I'll drive by and pick it up and <laughs> and you and can I'll use it, it within yeah. four days in the refrigerator free, yeah. or freeze it and use it for months. Yeah, and what I do is I take that once it's strained, right? And you can put it away or whatever, but I reduce it. I put it back on the stove, reduce it till you get about like a half a quart or a little yeah. bit more, and then I take it and put it in an ice cr- ice yep. cube tray, right? And oh, then wow. you have your own little chicken base, Love chi- that, right? Wow. And then you can just take that cube, put it in a pot and add water back to it, and yep. that's a great way to store it. And then when they come out, put it in a freezer bag and you're done. Almost anything yeah, you make will be in <laughs> enriched yeah, by a cube yeah. of this. Yeah. So, for instance, I will make a salad dressing, just traditional yeah, oil, great. vinegar, oil, whatever, mm-hmm. and I will throw in either a little beef juice that yeah. I've tossed into the freezer, maybe a little chicken stock, yeah. or how about this, the turkey stock. What mm-hmm. does it do? It gives a kind of backbone or structure or yeah. richness to your, to yeah. your, um, you know, yeah. your vinaigrette. If then, you just don't know what it is, but it tastes so scrumptious. And you take out a little bit of the oil when you do that, and you can make a low fat dressing right which mm. is much healthier so i mean there's a good reason to do it right there is just to lower the calorie amount in your normal salad dressing by replacing it with chicken broth everything or broth. is on our mm. website right now at food schmooze sch like school moo like the cows they eat food schmooze.org we have had the best time thank you so much this is the start of our thanksgiving coverage we're going to be adding things of course Tens of thousands of people used this site online last year, and we know if we're going to, you know, succeed that this year. Next, the Italian food expert, all pasta, Nancy Harmon Jenkins. One more mouth-watering bite of the food schmooze. Ready? Here's something great to know about. Sign up for the app called NPR One. Just download it from the iPhone App Store or your Android device. Once you do, you can set WNPR as your local station. Couldn't be easier? Download the free app NPR One and start listening. Let's party on. More food schmooze. Italian 
that the best. I'm Faith Middleton with the gang. This is the Food Schmooze Party coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including the east end of Long Island. You can tweet us at FaithWNPR. Join the conversation with us on Facebook. Search The Faith Middleton Show. We have something posted on Facebook right now about, as as we were just explaining, about our big choice for a Thanksgiving champagne. So check it out, The Faith Middleton Show. All right. If you visited our website this summer, you know I spent a week in Italy uh, the glorious town of Treviso, about 20 minutes outside of Venice. We ate pasta, a small portion, every day for lunch or dinner, whether we made it in our apartment or we had it in a restaurant. We we have a returning guest now, and I'm always excited when she's on the show. She knows so much about pasta. The Italian food expert and cookbook author Nancy Herman Jenkins. She and her daughter, chef Sarah Jenkins, have a new cookbook out, The Four Seasons of pasta. They are in Italy all the time. They live there part-time. They're cooking, eating, tracking down recipes. So we have a seasonal approach in this segment to pasta all year long. They tell you how to make your own pasta. You can use your their sauce ingredients on an excellent store-bought pasta. We're going to give you some recommendations. We're concentrating now on the section of autumn pastas. Nancy Harmon Jenkins, welcome back to the Food Schmooze Party. Thank you very much, Faith. I'm happy to be here. Your daughter, Sarah, makes the best porchetta sandwich I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Second that. I I tell you, I had a doctor's appointment in New York, and I found myself near the Brooklyn Flea, (laughs) and her sandwiches were there, and I ate... Two of them. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, so God. so people visiting New York can yeah. can try her porchetta sandwich at her restaurant called, and this is in the city, what else, porchetta. She also does pastas at her restaurant Porcina in New York. Uh, am I pronouncing that correctly? I say Porcina. But, Porcina. Um, no. I go with you. Yeah. Two of my favorite places. So before we get to gorgonzola with walnuts as a sauce for pasta and a spicy broccoli rob sauce, let's start with a basic quick lesson, Nancy, on how to cook pasta. It's very easy. Now we're talking, right now we're talking about dried pasta, pasta secca, we call it in Italian, that comes in a box, the best quality. You've got, usually in a box, you've got about 500 grams, and we figure that will make six servings, American-style servings. You mean a pound? Yeah. It's roughly about a little over a pound, but we call it a pound. Mm-hmm. It's not that much over. So for that quantity of pasta, you need six quarts of water. And why? And you really do need six quarts of water. Well, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> people ask me why, and I have to say, I mean, the first thing I say is that's the way Fred Plotkin does it. But <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it's done in Italy, and we follow, with Italian food, we follow Italians religiously. We don't do what Italians say to do with French food or Mexican food, but we do with Italian food. So a lot of water, and the pasta cooks better in a lot of water. Uh, you know, Mark Bittman made a big deal out of, uh, yes. out of cooking pasta in very little water in the New York Times a couple of months ago, and I maintain that that's the reason why Mark Bittman is no longer writing. For the <laughs> Those Italians have oh influence. My God. Oh, my God. I'm not even going near that. Okay. I hope he's listening. Um, <laughs> So you've got six quarts of water, you bring it to a rolling boil, you add a big spoonful of salt because the pasta needs to absorb a little salt from the water, not too much, but a big spoonful of salt is only going to be absorbed slightly because the pasta isn't going to cook for very long. And you push that pasta right down into the boiling water, and this is especially important with long, skinny pasta because the temptation is to let it stick up out. No, you just keep working it with a wooden spoon until you get it all immersed in boiling water. Then you let the water return to a boil. You can cover the pot when you do that. And then you take the lid off and you let the pasta boil according to the package directions. Usually I start checking it about a minute and a half before the package directions say to. Yeah. Nancy, do you want a furious boil? Oh, you do. You want a serious boil. 
you want it to be really rolling around in there. And the other thing you want to have ready is a warm serving bowl to turn the pasta in. So with your soup ladle, you take out a couple of ladlefuls of that boiling water and put it in the soup bowl mm-hmm. in order to warm the bowl up. And then when the pasta is done to your taste, al dente, you drain it immediately. You don't pour cold water over it. No. You don't do anything else to it. You turn out the water in the bowl, and you turn the pasta into the hot bowl, and you add whatever sauce you want to use, and you toss it together, and you serve it immediately. And nobody, everybody stops what they're doing and starts to eat pasta. <laughs> ah, this in is Italy, so you true. do not wait for everyone to be served. You start eating immediately. My old mm-hmm. friend, Anna Tascalanza, oh. Memory. She used to tell me about a a nephew of hers, and he would be seated at the table, and somebody would ask him a question. He would say, Fetus, the manjanda pasta. Nancy explains all this in her book. Nancy Harmon Jenkins, co author with her daughter Sarah Jenkins, the chef. And their book is called The Four Seasons of Pasta. There's a long explanation of this and a very short, quick rundown on pasta cooking. I love that you did that that way. When I was in Italy for that week, I did, in fact, everybody served me a heated bowl. And I have to say, it made a huge difference. So just warming it up, it, it just even aesthetically feels right, but it was best for the Mm. pasta that way. I think it's best for almost everything that's meant to be served hot, to have a heated plate, a heated bowl, something like that. So you'll help me with pronunciations, right? So, orchiette alla barese? Yes, orchiette alla barese. Oh, okay. So this is (laughs) orchiette pasta. You can use what you have, whether it's homemade or store-bought, with a spicy broccoli rob. Yes, and you want to make Mm. sure that you get a broccoli rob that's really got a lot of flavor to it. I mean, you could make it with broccoli if you have squeamish children at your table who don't like the spiciness of broccoli, Rob, but really, this is a pasta that's meant to go with those super healthy, spicy greens from the south of Italy. Oh my goodness, so good, so, so good. So, you have the the broccoli, Rob, and... You you clean it, you know, of course, and then you chop it up into pieces about an inch long, and uh, you get your pasta water going, and then you make the sauce that you talk about, which I think with broccoli rub, this is my favorite sauce with it, and it's a garlic anchovy sauce. For yeah. people who don't like anchovies, this is a sauce where the anchovies melt, and That's therefore, right. it they become a back note. It's not like eating a whole anchovy on, you know, as people crazily do on the top of a Caesar salad <laughs> in America. So it's not that. It melts. You don't even know it's yeah. there, and it's unbelievable and, with broccoli rabe. And if people right. who haven't tried it should try it once because you don't even know it's there, and it is such That's an true, amazing That's, note. I think a lot of people yeah. don't realize that they're eating anchovies no. all the time when they're eating especially Italian food yeah. or southern food. French food from Provence. Yeah. Uh, anchovies are used a lot to give mm-hmm. structure to a sauce, from flavor structure to a sauce, that is. And you don't even know it's there. It doesn't taste fishy. So can we talk about how you do this? So you're putting the garlic, which is chopped, in the oil in this small skillet, very gentle heat, and they start to get soft, right? Yeah. And then that now you're stirring in the anchovy fillets? Right. You, you've, got, you've kind of chopped the anchovies rather coarsely, and you throw them into the same warm, warm-to-hot oil. And as you're cooking, you're mashing the anchovies in the oil, and you can mash the garlic at the same time. Mm. So that what you get is more like a creamy sauce mm. than oh, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I know. All of a sudden, I'm hungry again. This is a good thing. This is very good. And then you add a little chili pepper if you can have it. Yep. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then you turn to the pasta. So we're going to get to when you add it and all that. But here's the thing. You, you give these wonderful recipes for making your own pasta. However, you know this, Nancy, that most people in America anyway do not make their own pasta. It's so delicious. But I, for instance, don't have time with my life to do that. I wish I did, but I don't. <laughs> 
Well, so, you know, this is also true in Italy. Faith, I, I go back, you know, I'm looking at a funny clock that I was given by the people at the New York Times. I wrote an article for the New York Times the first time that the food page went to color. And it was all about dried pasta, pasta secca, and how that is universal in Italy. Even in the north, where fresh egg pasta is a tradition, huh. most people have, make it, unless you live in the town of Bologna, most people have it for Sunday lunch or something like that. But their everyday huh. choice is high-quality pasta secca. Are you talking about boxed pasta yes. or packaged pasta? Do you have brands that you would recommend to us that we can readily get in the United States? Absolutely, and I think most of them, as far as I know, are probably actually sold on Amazon. You know, people are always saying, you know, I can't get that product. I mean, you know, you live in the city. I don't. I live in Maine, but almost Mm. everything is now sold on Amazon. It's quite amazing. But here are some names of pastas that I like very much. That four pastas that I know you can find quite readily, either online or in gourmet product stores. Uh, Rusticella d'Abruzzo. Oh, That's yeah. My number That's one, yeah. what we Whole, like. Whole Foods yeah. carries around here, carries a good amount of them. Yes, exactly. Say, say, it, again, one, say it again uh, for me. Rusticella, you say? Yeah, Rusticella. R-U-S-T-I-C-H-E-L-L-A. D'Abruzzo? D'Abruzzo. D'Abruzzo. It's made in the Abruzzo. Mm. Ah, okay. And that is, and that comes, I think, in a cellophane package, right? Yep. Uh, does it or is no, it a brown paper bag? Brown paper, paper, paper bag. bag. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why I, the packaging is cool. Another one is Benedetto Cavalieri. Oh, I love that. And that comes from Puglia. And I know it's available through Williams Sonoma, but you can also find it often in many stores, sort of yeah. high end gourmet store. stores. Benedetto Cavalieri. Yeah. Okay. And any others or in, yes. as we go on uh, to your. Pasta Faella. I really like this pasta. Oh. And De Martino. These are two different pasta makers, but they both come from Gragnano, south of Naples, which mm. is really where industrially made pasta was developed in Italy, uh, in this wonderful town of Gragnano, south of Naples, Mm. where the water that comes down from the mountainside is supposed to be especially good, and the breezes Mm. that come up from the seaside are supposed to be especially good for making high-quality pasta. We always use Decheco. Decheco, I don't use much, but another pasta that I like a lot that's actually made in Tuscany is Martelli, and that comes in a very recognizable package because it's quite bright yellow. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah okay. It, even some of the bigger supermarkets sometimes carry one or two of those. Okay, right. so yeah. so this is Nancy Harmon Jenkins, who, with her daughter Sarah Jenkins, who's also a professional chef, not just a daughter, have done a new book together. They they live part-time in Italy. They travel to Italy a million times. And Nancy, our guest, is in Maine living there. And and the book is called The Four Seasons of Pasta, so that you in the Italian tradition can have pasta in every season of the year, especially using for your sauces what's fresh in the markets or what feels right for autumn and spring and winter and summer. Let's go to your pasta with a sunny Sicilian sauce. I'm going to take a stab at this. Elicodalia. Elicodali al sole siciliano. Exactly. You got it. <gasps> oh, okay. I'm learning. <laughs> okay. So this is pasta with a sunny Sicilian sauce. And what makes it Sicilian? Well, it's the presence of those traditional Sicilian ingredients, mm. anchovies, olives, capers, mm. sultana raisins, sun-dried tomatoes. Oh. And, well, salt and pepper, of course. And pine nuts. Pine nuts are often yes. in Sicilian so recipes. Parmigiano-Reggiano. Oh, boy. So the raisins giving it sweetness? Yes, they are. I mean, one reason I love this recipe, one reason it's in the fall section, is because it's not, it hasn't got any kind of ingredients. You could make this easily in summer or spring, but it fits the fall because that's when you, you know, it's along uh-huh. about November and, and it's getting dark very early and it's gray and it, I'm talking about Maine. It's miserable. <laughs> and what would be better? What could evoke sunshine in the Mediterranean more than this sauce? because it's full of all those sunny Sicilian flavors. But almost everything in there is something that you probably have and should have in your store cupboard.
So we, we want your street address so that we can look at property anywhere near your house. This is what we want to do. Okay. Um, okay. smell the location. I know. Smell, I know. And actually, I'm thinking Nancy is as close to the kind of Italy-scape landscape, not maybe not in southern Italy, but the, but the, the Italian landscape where things are fresh and seasonal, yeah. lots of great seafood and... So let's go to Tagliatelle with gorgonzola cream and fresh walnuts. This is one of my favorite combinations. It's just staggering, isn't it? I mean, I think that gorgonzola and walnuts are a wonderful thing to serve at the end of a meal anyway, but why not start the meal off with them too? I know. Okay, so we've got... In this recipe, walnut halves, this is an easy one to do, walnut halves, heavy cream, gorgonzola, parmigiano reggiano, <laughs> black pepper, and you can use grana padano, which is an alternate to parmigiano reggiano. Parmigiano reggiano considered the, the, the royalty of, of cheese in this region, but I am a fan, after touring the grana padano factories in Italy, I am a huge fan of, of this cheese and think it's undersold. I it's, think you're right. It's considered the poor cousin, and it really isn't. It's a very fine cheese in its oh, own right. Oh, thank you. Quick question before we go. The last recipe we did was that Sicilian treatment, and that has a rigatoni if you're buying your pasta. When I talk to travel editors now, I say, what has surprised you most about Italy? And they say, the last place I went, the last place I wanted to go was Sicily. And when I got there, the food was so outstanding, I might declare it the best food of Italy. Mm. Yeah. Um, It is amazing. I'm going back there next month in October. I'm doing a cooking class at um, a series of cooking classes at, uh, speaking of Anna Tascalanza, at Mm. the school that her daughter Fabrizia now runs. And, um, And I've been working on a tour for some other people to take after that. And it's just you know, I get ready to just hop a plane and go over there. Mm. If I didn't have a house in Tuscany, I'd buy a place in Sicily, I'm sure. Oh, so that's my, my you know, my, my dream is to... Uh, n- never mind. This is we're running. They're looking. Everybody's waving and saying we're done with this segment. Okay, Nancy Harmon Jenkins. As always, such a pleasure to have you on the show. I so respect what you do, your taste in this, and uh, this is terrific. It makes me want to eat pasta every day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Faith, and thank you, Chris. It was great. The four seasons of pasta. Nancy Harmon Jenkins and Sarah Jenkins, and of course. We have a recipe for you online at our website, foodschmooze.org. You have a seat at our table anytime on radio and online. Eat, drink, and be merry. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. See what I mean? This is the place to have a good time, so come back. You can listen to just one or two bites or, oops, I ate the whole thing, which is entirely admirable. Please allow me to thank Chef's Equipment, Isana Plastic Surgery Center, Med Spa, and Goodwill for their support of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. You can listen on the radio 3 p.m. Thursdays and noon Saturdays. You'll hear our new 60-second food schmoozes daily on WN. NPR. Join the party with us next week online, foodschmooze at wnpr.org. Meanwhile, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm Faith Middleton.